0: to help and that's a fact So we have made it our mission to find stuff out From diagnosis and education stemming out of your frustration Chat to folks who've been there too Collect it together and share it with you If you know someone we should speak to
1: Send them our way and that's what we'll do We like to have our sensory netters You know what? Hi everyone it's Jenny your Sensory Matters host and this week we're changing things up a bit and in fact we're going to be doing this pretty much every second episode moving forward so I am joined by Lorraine and Katie. Hi guys. Hi. Hi. How are we doing?
2: Good thanks. Yeah really good. How are you Jenny?
1: Yeah, super good, super good, super busy, but super good. Good. Um, So we've decided to kind of mix up the format a bit um, because although the interviews are brilliant and insightful, we sometimes feel there's lots of areas for discussion following them and it's worth exploring those with our resident Lorraine and Katie, who you all know. Um, So this week we're mainly focusing on last week's episode, which was all about Aspie Cat and her story and journey. And we're also going to have three questions that we ask Lorraine and Katie every week. So the first one, um, to keep things topical, is anything that you've seen or heard that is crazy this week related to our sensory field?
2: I feel like there's always crazy things. (laughs) (laughs) All the time. Yeah, more than one. (laughs) I saw something a bit crazy this week. Um, I actually saw it yesterday on Twitter and I was really wanting to discuss it with both of you guys. Um, I saw that there is um, a play that is in rehearsal at the moment, which is about an autistic boy. And I believe it's called All in a Row. And they are, yeah, they're using a puppet to portray autism as opposed to a person. Mm. And it was... Yeah, um, um, it
0: popped up on my Facebook and I saw a lot of mixed reviews on this.
2: Mm, it's causing a lot um, of
0: controversy. Yeah. In like, what way? What What are people saying? Why Why would you use a puppet to portray the autistic child when you could get an autistic actor into the play? Mm-hmm. Um, there was... A lot
2: of people think it's very like modern and quite artistic in a very like interesting way of portraying autism um in a more kind of it's just in a more like artistic and kind of different way. Um, yeah, but yes. For me, did you
0: see the puppet? yes yeah it's just a bit weird looking it's scary it's a little bit scary so maybe if it was a puppet that looked like a real person (laughs) that might be a bit better but yeah it's a bit crazy looking puppet yeah so
1: what does it look like
0: It's like gray green in color and just really freaky
2: (laughs) it looks really like old-fashioned it looks like one that you'd find at like the back of a charity shop and you kind of want to avoid that corner of the charity
1: shop then because it's you feel like it might be haunted. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so is it? are people kind of saying, you know, people, people on the spectrum are viewed as being different anyway. Let's not portray it by using a puppet that looks really different. Is that what some people have been saying?
2: Yeah, it's that whole sort of this, us and them kind of um, situation, like people and then autistic people. Um, yeah. That's really the main thing that a lot of people aren't enjoying. But a lot of people are liking the fact that it's showing... non-verbal side in a much more kind of obvious and more artistic way you know puppets portray themselves with body movements and body language and express themselves often without words and um, I think that's the whole point of of why they wanted to portray autism in a non-verbal light um, through a puppet because it's more about body language it's it's about expression through movement and action Um, and that's why a lot of people also find it quite interesting but some are finding it a bit offensive as well
0: yeah i mean, okay. I, I personally wouldn't want to form any opinion until i'd seen the play mm. because you just don't know
1: no exactly and and i also think is it a case of the them and us things interesting katie because is it a case of that that almost hypersensitizes i can't say the word hypersensitizes people to anything that's portrayed in that um you know, if this was if this was a play about anything else, would people be saying that's portraying it badly? Do you know what I mean? There's a bit of oversensitivity, perhaps.
2: Yes, yeah, so a lot of people were thinking, oh, well, would you portray it this way if it was another type of condition or another disability or just another type of, even just a minority in, in any way, you know, would yeah. would you portray it yeah. in this way? Um, and there was a, you know, like you said, sort of people thinking, oh, well, that's um, maybe a bit too sensitive or is this actually something that shouldn't be done and we should be encouraging um, autistic actors to come in and play autistic roles? And yeah, it was a very interesting conversation that was going on, especially on Twitter. I was I was enjoying reading through all of the comments. Uh, yeah, I night. was
0: enjoying the comments on Facebook as well. I just think it, it would be a really good opportunity for a young actor that was autistic to, to portray the character. That's a shame that they're not going to get that opportunity. But again, until I've
1: seen it, I don't want to judge it. Yes. Yeah, and you don't, it could be, is it produced by someone on the spectrum?
2: They have had some um, input from autistic adults and autistic children. Um, they've gone to lots of focus groups. They have actually got um, yes. employees working on the on the play who are autistic themselves. Um, so they do seem to be fairly open to actually using autistic representation in terms of getting that information from actually autistic people. Yes. Um, but I think they just wanted to try and break the mould in terms of what could be done artistically with autism. And it was it was interesting to see people's reaction to it, whether that be positive or negative.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it definitely sense. gets people talking. Definitely. Well, that's what I was going to say. If if nothing else, it's done exactly that, hasn't it? And all of these conversations raise awareness and acceptance and a general conversation, which is which is positive. Mm Okay, so thinking about our podcast last week and Aspie Cat, what did you guys take away from it?
2: I loved it. I thought it was a brilliant podcast. Great conversation uh, last week. Brilliant stuff. I found a lot of similarities with
0: Tracy. So every time she mentioned something else, I was like, God, that's that's just me. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, so that's what I f- found interesting. But I do find that about a lot of the podcasts.
1: Yeah, there's there's so many similarities to everybody's story, isn't there? Yeah. What, what so the thing one? that I love about her is that she talks about how when she was younger, um, she was desperately doing everything she could to try and fit in. Yet, as an adult, you couldn't find anyone who stands out more than she does.
2: Yeah, I love yes. Tracy's sense of style. She oh, huge inspiration to me because I think if you follow her on Instagram, if you've seen any of sort of Tracy's artwork and designs, you'll just she comes across as such a confident lady. And I loved hearing that she, um, she was saying that her fashion and her sense of style is actually what she uses as a a conversation starter. Um, You often think that people who have really colorful hair and brightly colored clothes um, are really confident people, but she says, Oh, you know, no, I use this as a way of um, starting conversations because I am not as confident as I look. And I found that really interesting. Yeah. Yeah. It's
1: it's a fab strategy, isn't it? That because, she finds small talk and social interactions on that level quite a challenge that it gives her a topic to talk about
0: yeah I I can definitely vouch for that because with Jamie having blue hair and me having purple hair when we go out a a weekend we get stopped in the street we get stopped in weatherspoons just to ask about our hair
2: yeah yeah I was always in college known as the girl with all of the crazy leggings I used to wear like amazingly bright leggings and I think it it did become something that I started to realize oh I could talk to people about this and um, it was something that I was sort of identified for and you had that kind of sense of a sense of identity almost like this is what I'm known for this is my thing and um, I loved hearing you talk about it
0: yeah last week I dyed my hair silver and I just couldn't I couldn't deal with it because it wasn't me my hair's purple and I, so I dyed it purple again because it just didn't feel like it was me anymore.
1: It's interesting, isn't it? I've, I just find it fascinating that she's gone from and maybe Katie, you can explain how how you did this as well. You've gone from someone who is maybe finding life difficult and really desperately trying to be like everybody else. And to go from that, to go to the extreme of dyeing half your hair pink, half your hair blue and wearing the clothes, which just look amazing on her, but really stand out. It's almost like as a child, you're, you're trying not to draw attention to yourself and you're just trying to blend in. When does that tip into I am happy with myself and I'm comfortable having purple hair, wearing crazy leggings and 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 finding that sense of style and who you are Mm,
2: yeah I think it's really it's a difficult one because I found that my experimental phase came in college um Mm -hmm. but I often have found and it's actually been a conversation that I've been having uh with people sort of in my personal life here that I have since been able to experiment more confidently and find myself a little bit more since leaving school because I feel like in school it's wrong to stand out it is wrong to um be what is seen as like a different or a loner or people who like outside of the crowd Um, but as soon as you come away from that um that influence of feeling like you need to fit in and you need to um do certain things in order to make friends you Mm. can kind of start to find yourself a little bit more organically in a way without feeling like you're doing this for the sake of of fitting in like i know um tracy aspicat was talking about how she used to try to fit in with the popular crowd
1: it's it's coming away
2: from realizing that that's not really what's important in life and you don't need to do that in order to to succeed and to be happy Um, and i think
0: once you've been accepted by your group or your people then it's easier to be yourself i think for me um you ask her in the podcast jenny about her husband and how obviously he thought he'd married an nt woman And then she she gets diagnosed with autism and it comes back to something that in my life. My husband says to me, you tricked me when we got (laughs) married. Um, To me, you were NT and then now you're going through this diagnosis and it's pretty obvious that you are autistic. He said, it's like I was tricked. But for me, it's that I've gone into this relationship, I've married him and he's so accepting of me that I don't have to wear a mask around him anymore.
2: Yeah,
0: And once, once you feel comfortable to do that, there's a big change
2: yeah it's getting rid of all of that outside influence and just doing something for yourself and for the greater good of your own happiness and your own welfare
1: well I would like to explore that a bit more that the how how you make that shift so we'll do that in just a minute but right now we're going to take a short break We're going to
0: take a quick break and tell you about this week's offer, which is 50% off a Zebula Miller heart. You can find that on our website, www.chewygem.co.uk. And don't forget, if you're looking for sensory support, you can join our Facebook group, Chewy Gem Sensory Support.
1: Okay, welcome back. So we were talking about how you fit in and how you shift from desperately wanting to fit in to being you and being true to you and this is something that I'm experiencing big time with my daughter at the moment who's only 10 but is would do anything just to blend in um and I'm desperately trying to empower her to be her and I feel like one of those preaching parents that I'm talking to a brick wall because she just is living it at the moment and it doesn't sink in with her at all and, and you said, Lorraine, that once you find your people and you accept who you are and you can take your mask off and, and you can be yourself, well, when does that feel safe? How do you make that shift? What could I do for my daughter to make her feel she can be true to her?
0: It's difficult because of her age because most of her peer experiences at the moment are happening at school. Mm-hmm. So that's where it becomes difficult because there's a lot of peer pressure at school. I mean, how old is she now? She's 10. Yeah, and it's a rough age, isn't it? 10? I remember being 10 and wanting to look like Bananarama. And if you didn't <laughs> look like Bananarama, you just weren't accepted.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I yeah, think. It is hard, but it's, it's, it's torture watching it. Yeah.
2: Do you know what I think? I think quite a good idea is taking something, I've just had a thought, maybe taking it out of school. Uh, maybe if she finds um, an external part of her life where she feels like she's got something in common with people, like a club or some kind of after. After school activity where you don't have to yeah. worry about fitting in because you've already got um, things in common with people, and then you can openly express yourself a little bit more because you know that these people already have um, somewhat of a, a an interest that you have or something that you are um, passionate about. You know whether that's art or sport or um, or anything in between. Um, it could be a nice time for her to express herself without having to worry about these people don't have anything in common with me.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Yeah, I think as
0: well at school, you tend to join the clubs that everybody else has joined and that Mm -hmm. might not necessarily be the clubs that are for you, but because it starts early, doesn't it, with rainbows. Once you're five, your name's been on the list for two years. You go to rainbows, you progress to brownies. And I think there's probably a lot of other things out there that you just haven't looked into.
1: Yeah, no, that's probably very true. Absolutely. Um, So if we were what what else did we get from um tracy's podcast um,
0: her scripts i do yeah. that i do this um if anybody's watched up they probably haven't put my social confidence video on the website mine uh-huh. is pretty much all about scripts and i have scripts in my head for daily
1: interactions with people
0: mm. yeah so that was i was like oh god this is this is what i do and i wonder how many other people do this
1: yes so yeah you've got kind of some little a little vault of files where you've got predefined topics that you can bring out on the right occasion yeah yeah is that something you do too katie
2: yeah i think i do it more um i don't think i was aware that i was doing it because when i think of scripts i think of like actually physically writing stuff down and i was like oh i I definitely don't do that but i do have this thing in my head where i'm like oh um this social interaction went really well I'm going to mm-hmm. say exactly the same things that I said in that social interaction, in this social interaction, and maybe hopefully it will go just as well. Um, I do have like definitely like a red and a green box in my head like red don't say this because I've messed up so many times when I've said this don't say it don't say uh-huh. it and then I have a green box which is like yeah this is fine let's talk about the weather let's talk about yeah. you know things that are nice yeah. and, and light so I have it more yeah. as like a category in my head of like yes and no for for like especially small talk. I'm
1: intrigued intrigued about your red box. Give me a red box example. <laughs> I think for me it's just like going straight in with too much information. I don't
2: really have a filter and I'm sort of saying things that I'm like, oh, I really shouldn't shouldn't say things like this in it. In the social situations, like I was having a conversation with my friend yesterday, and I just had this moment of being like, "I have just said something so offensive, but it came out not how I wanted it to at all. I was basically saying that she um that nobody liked her, but I, it was it wasn't that I meant it that meant way. it, like it was that. just oh, and I put that in my red box now <laughs>
1: <laughs> every day's a school day exactly you never stop learning <laughs> yeah um anything else, Katie, that you took away from Tracy's? I think it was just how
2: similar, again, a story in terms of female um, coming through with with mental health problems. Um, I found it really interesting that it was her social worker who pointed yes. that out. Yes. I found that very interesting because um, people often ask me, like, "Oh, did someone point out your autistic traits before you were diagnosed?" and and the only person who ever did that to me was my science che- teacher back when I was about twelve years old, and she took my parents to the side and parents evening and said there's something not quite you know average about this little one and um she didn't say what or how she just sort of pointed in the direction of maybe um my brain works slightly differently and that was, mm-hmm. we didn't think about it at that point and we just thought that was a funny thing that she said and we were like oh thank you for that you know yep i'm unique and that's a lovely thing and uh we moved on but i i found it very interesting how. Um, social worker you know had the confidence to say something I think you know it's how do you address that with someone if you feel like you've got if someone has the social social worker was autistic as well so probably that helped yeah it was probably she felt like she could say something in that time and I really admire the people who can step up and and say to someone have you thought about this or have you explored
0: this if you are autistic yourself or you've got autistic children and you're around autistic people a lot, I think you tend to notice in others where other people might
2: not see it. Yeah. I feel like I've got a radar. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like mm-hmm. I can just tell sometimes.
1: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> okay, well I I really enjoyed her story. It was it was absolutely fantastic. It was just really inspiring and if ever you want a role model of being true to you, then Tracy is absolutely it. Definitely. Um and I hope it gives some people the confidence to, to become who they want to be by listening to it. Um, one of the other things that we're going to do every every week, as well as crazy things we've seen or heard, we're also going to talk about what's your sensory matter this week. So what's been on your radar this week, ladies?
2: Shall I go first, Lorraine? <laughs> so I was filming a video this week for my YouTube channel. And one of the topics that came up was finding your perfect sensory aid. How do you find something instantly that you think you're going to get on with? And I think a lot yeah. of people find, that, find it intimidating to go and buy sensory aids because they don't know whether it's going to be something that they enjoy or that they get on with. And I was talking about it from a Chewy Jam point of view and from a chewing in particular. Mm. And I found it really interesting trying to think of tips and tricks that I would give to someone uh, in terms of, okay, how what's the best way of, of finding a sensory aid that works for you first time and what you should consider. And um, it was really interesting to go through and talk about with Chewy Gem and with chewing in particular, I would say, you know, look at the thickness, look about, you know, where you're going to be using this, um, this sensory aid, whether it's going to be in public or uh, in the home. And mm-hmm. I found it really interesting. And I was wondering if you guys had any like tips and tricks for finding sensory aids first time. Lorraine? um
0: see this is jamie always says to me oh i don't like stimming i don't use sensory stuff and then what i do is i'll put something near her that she wouldn't think to use and then she starts playing with it yeah. and i'll say look you used um i just tend to go with what people are using in the real world so obviously a lot of facebook pages that i follow are people with autism so i'll see what other people are using and maybe give that a go
2: yeah it's finding yeah, things that, that you don't necessarily sensory aid is a very scary word or like phrase isn't it like a title when actually a lot of them can be very everyday normal things yeah
0: i mean, yeah, I, think, I, mean I, think I, think I have it's all around all around my wrist and that's a sensory thing for me and i fidget with my bobbles mm-hmm. but how many other people do that
1: so many other people yeah, probably <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah
1: I, I i think it's exactly that there's a there's a real I don't know mismatch or misunderstanding between do I need a sensory aid and sensory aid, as you say, Katie, sounds quite medicalized in some yeah. ways um, and and it's understanding that stimming and getting sensory input doesn't it can be everyday objects, exactly what Lorraine's saying. so really having a look at your life and looking at the habits that you do and the things that you maybe use that you don't recognize you use um and and then trying to transfer the traits that those things have into something else that you might find useful Mm, yeah because one of the things we do with with chewy gem is if people come to us and we encourage people to come to us is we'll we'll ask well what what do they currently mouth or chew and and how often and where and when and that helps us identify whether they like smooth or texture and thickness etc and help help them get it right first time yes Mm -hmm.
2: yeah it's having that open conversation and 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 talking it out with someone as well, because I often find that I don't really, like Lorraine was saying with Jamie, you don't often think about your own sensory habits, but somebody else can see it clearly in you. Um, so maybe if you just talk it through with someone, you can find that, that oh yeah, I yeah, actually go- do this.
0: <laughs> Going back to the Aspicat podcast, she said that she didn't realise that she was stimming. Yes, yeah. Mm-hmm. And then obviously then looking into it, she was doing it with everyday things. Mm.
1: Yeah, that's right. What about you, Lorraine? Have you got any sensory matters? I don't know if it classes
0: as a sensory matter, but um, I watched the New Dispatches this week about the kids not in school. Ah, oh, uh,
1: yes. I recorded that and I've not watched it yet.
0: Because um, obviously with me being in a position that I took Jamie out of school and home educated her, I thought this was going to be an interesting one. Um, yeah. It was a really interesting programme. It mm. followed three families. One was Mandy from FIGS, who's one of the founders from FIGS, and her daughter. Oh, yeah. So that was really interesting, and to see her in person. Um and her story is very similar to mine and Jamie's. But then there was a couple of other people at Home Educated for other reasons. What I found really disturbing, and I've spoken about this in my own Home Education podcast about letting the local authority into your house. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I first started Home Educating, there was all these groups that I joined and they're all very anti-local authority. Don't let them in, don't let them in. And there's so many people that are under the radar that it's fine. You know, you you don't have to let the local authority in. But they highlighted a couple of children that had actually died. And I think we need tougher
1: laws on home education. What what do you mean, died? I mean, I know what you mean by died. But how how did
0: that come about? Child abuse. So basically, some of these kids that were classed as home educated, never let anybody into their house. There's no law saying that people have to go in and check on them. Um, A a young boy in Wales, um, when you watch the programme, you'll see. And, and then I started Googling it afterwards to see about other other children that had died of child abuse. And one of the main ways that this goes undetected is because the are homeschooled.
1: Wow. So it's like a cover up, really. For... Yeah. You
0: know, once you put your letter in and your child's homeschooled, there's, n- there's no legal requirement for anybody to come into your home and check what you're doing. Wow. So, um, wow like i'm not to me it's, it doesn't matter if you follow the curriculum or if you do life skills whatever you're teaching your child that's fine but i do think there needs to be
2: stronger checks gosh yeah, yeah. you don't even think about it really do well, you so, isn't it? no no, no the, you the, the, don't. Little,
0: the little boy was in wales i don't know how far that was from you but basically he'd never ever been registered anywhere for anything and so nobody even really knew he existed gosh
1: oh how sad and and the sad thing is that probably for 95% 99% of the population it's not necessary
0: exactly and I I don't think it was necessary for us I didn't need people to come into my house because I knew what I was doing was right but I was not going to stop somebody coming into my house because I wanted them to see that what I was doing was right
1: yeah 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 that makes sense yeah there was Mm.
0: like illegal schools that are set up I mean when you watch it I don't want to spoil it too much for you but there's a lot of stuff that I was totally unaware of
1: right well, I'm definitely going to put it on my watch list. Yeah. As I say, I've recorded it. I've just not got round to it. Okay. Um, finally, the thing that we're going to do every every other week when we record these little mini podcasts is we're going to ask the people in our um, sensory support group if they've got anything that they want us to chat about or if they've got any questions for us. So we've had one this week from Sarah Astin, who's asked, how do you cope on a work day when it's also a really bad sensory day? Oh, that's a good one.
2: It is a good one. Oh, that's hard though. Do you, do you want me to go first? Yeah, you go, You start it off, Lorraine.
0: Well, I feel very lucky because of where I work now, working for Chewy Gem. If I was having a really bad day and I shut down, I would just not work that day Yeah, and I'd catch up another day. So that that's the, that's the joys of working from home. If I go back into previous employment, um, I was in a position where I used to let everything pile up on me to the point where I just couldn't go into work. Mm, yeah, I never took any time for myself. I didn't realize that that these things were happening. I I just kept plowing on and on
2: and on. Mm. Yeah, I never used and to I take still, time, like like you said, yeah. like working for Chewy Gem and having being able to work from home and and the way that we work is so lovely and it suits having days off when we need them and if you're in burnout so if you're having a, a sensory day we can take them very very easily and and pick something up the next day but yeah it's that previous employment and I did the same I just sort of went on as if nothing was happening and I wasn't really aware Um yeah I think if, if you're honest with your
0: employers I think if you can tell them that, that you know, you do suffer with sensory processing difficulties and this can happen, then you can put things in place. One thing I did used to do in my old job was I used to listen to music while I worked. Yes, yeah, I did that and too. Yeah, just little things like that can help. And I think if, if you are open and honest and you do need a break,
2: mm-hmm. then, you know, you need to take that break. Yeah, and it's having like a strategy in place before you get to that point. Um, so maybe try and think about what you would need on a sensory day, do you need to be on your own? Do you want to be um, with someone like a friend or a family member? Do you want to be outside or inside? Or um, do you need to have a complete break from everything? Or do you need to just work in a slightly different way? You know, it's having that kind of um, action plan planned out in your head or with another person, with your employer or colleagues. Um, And then once that time comes, you can think, instead of having to worry about oh how am I going to cope with this or what do I need to do um you have that plan in place of being like okay I'm having one of these days this is this is what I'm going to do
0: um yeah and I'm thinking back I worked in a doctor's surgery so it was like admin so it wasn't that bad but if somebody worked in retail for example yeah and you're having a really bad sensory day that could be really tough
2: Mm. it's finding somewhere that you can go to kind of remove yourself out of that situation and maybe have like a safe room where you can go and just, um, like a, a nice little safe space for you to just sit and know that it's always there if you need it. Um, I had one of those spaces when I was working in the NHS, just going and being like, I'm going to sit here and I'm going to just chill for five minutes. Um, and it was really helpful just to have, to remove yourself from the room and the environment just to go to a different space.
1: Yeah. And I think think this, topic is a, a whole nother podcast debate yeah, definitely. <laughs> it's, it's, it's the whole having the confidence to go to your employer and explain you know the type of person you are and what you need and then having the confidence to say I need a day or I need time out or I need this strategy yeah. without feeling like it's going to impact on your employability mm-hmm. and so it's very, very tough. We are incredibly fortunate the way we operate. And I think if you're in a, a normal job, but I do think the world is shifting a bit. I think it's getting a bit more accepting of this sort of thing. And even if you, I think back to when I had a normal job, um, everybody takes sick days, don't they? And quite often I was definitely guilty of taking the odd sick day when I wasn't really sick. I just needed a break. Yes, yeah. Um, and so I think that's how most people manage it. But then you don't want to have a high sick record. And, um, that's, that's
0: and that's something that I can't do I couldn't take a sick day if I wasn't sick
1: yeah you see I wouldn't the, the funny thing is since working for myself I've never taken a sick day Yeah, you know
0: yeah. Well, we don't sick. really need to do we because no. we just kind of work around what we need to do
1: but exactly. I just think for me in
0: general if I wasn't sick I couldn't say I was sick does no. that make sense
1: it's a hard thing to do I didn't find it easy when I did yeah. it but you get to the point where you have you have yeah. to for your own I know health people, I know people do do it and so although it's not sick, um, air quotes, in terms of physically sick, it's it's a different type of sick when you feel that need mm. to have a yeah, break. Yeah, I just but call them mental still... health
2: days, having a mental health well, day. Yeah, just,
0: uh, I've heard a lot of people saying that they take mental health days now. And do you know what? If if you need one day's mental health day and it means you're going to be better in the future at work, then, you know, what? what is one day in the grand scheme of things? Definitely.
1: Totally, because there's no point... Underperforming and 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 not doing your job well because you need that break. Take one day's break and then boom, you're you're on it. Mm. And I'm sure most employers, if they're at all forward thinking, would would buy into that because that's the other thing that I love about home working is that I think we're we're more productive as a result because if you sat at a desk in an office, people spend half the day surfing Facebook or looking on other websites or not really being productive. Whereas I know when I sit at my desk. I, I get a job done yes, because yeah. we've got that thing yeah, definitely
0: yeah I used yeah. to uh, make people tea and coffee to get away from the desk so exactly always be going around like who wants a tea who wants a coffee but there's none of that now
1: <laughs> No, <laughs> just do that to yourself <laughs> yeah, <right>. yeah. <laughs> so you're lucky if you get a coffee or you get to go to the loo when you're in that <laughs> kind of I need mean, to get stuff done um oh, okay, well I think that the whole point of these mini ones is to have them short and sweet and punchy. So I think we should um <laughs> finish up there. But I have enjoyed chatting to you ladies, it's been interesting and I think this is a good format for the future because it's yeah, nice exactly. to have a chat over um what's happening. So Thank you very much for your time, and I shall see you both in a fortnight after the next one.
2: Brilliant. See, see you later. later.
1: Well, that's it for this week, and thank you once again for listening. We really do appreciate it. If you've got time and you can spare 30 seconds, then go and give us a five star review on iTunes. It really helps other people find our content, and we know that our content and our episodes are so helpful to our community with lots of hints and tips and interesting interviews. So go and do your kind deed of the day and leave us a five-star review on iTunes to help others find us. Also, so that you never miss an episode and you get a notification when a new one is available, why not hit subscribe? And that way you'll never miss us. Finally, if you're not already a member of our fantastic Facebook support group, I suggest you go join it. We'd love to see you in there. There's loads of fantastic chat, lots of peer-to-peer support from people in the same boat as you. So go and search on Facebook for the Chewy Gem Sensory Support Group and let us know know what you're thinking of our episodes. Speak to you then. Bye.